Okay, let's have a family moment. Can we just acknowledge that amazing recovery that happened? I mean, if Easter is about bad things not being able to triumph, you're not going to hear anything in this sermon that was a better illustration than the Easter message than that. Hey, let's make some noise for our God and just say, it is good to be here. It's a good Sunday. Let me pray and we'll dive in. God and Father, there's no one like you. Lord, we just thank you today for what this means, for the new life we can experience in Jesus, for the way that you stepped into time and space because you love us and you didn't want to leave us to ourselves. Lord, fill us this morning. God, no matter where we came from, what story, what background, what place, God, I pray that we would just feel your hope tangibly, that we would be reminded of your love for us and your great power in our lives today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to somebody next to you and say, the tomb is empty and you look really good today. There you go, a little warm up for you. It is, in fact, one thing that I love every single Easter is that we are one of many. Right now, we are joining with billions of people around the world, billions of people who are meeting in tents, meeting in facilities like this one, meeting in schools, meeting in cathedrals, meeting in church buildings, meeting all around the world, some in secret locations because where they live, it's illegal to come together like this and to worship. And, and all across the world right now, People are together celebrating the historical life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hear me when I say historical, okay? Not myth, not fable, not biblical archetype of some model that we could live into fictitiously, but historical life, death, and resurrection. You don't get two billion people stopping what they're doing in the modern world to celebrate the main character of a fable. You don't get calendars that say B.C. and A.D. on them because of some wise teacher. You get that because God stepped into time and space to write a story of salvation that applies to me and you. He moved in a salvation story through Jesus and through His death and resurrection to bring us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. You guys know the story. The story of Easter actually begins on Christmas. You know it, the manger in the little nowhere town and the little nothing family that God steps into and says, through you, I'm going to bring my Savior into the world. And he does just that in a little manger in a little town called Bethlehem to an almost completely unknown family, a Savior is born. Jesus would grow up raised by his Jewish parents. He would grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And he would come to understand that he was God's son sent to earth by God to rescue humanity and win them back into a relationship with God. Jesus would do three things in his time on earth. He would say there's three reasons he came. Number one, to seek and save the lost. Number two, to announce that the kingdom of God was here. And three, to shine light into darkness. And that's exactly what he did. Everywhere Jesus went, people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. 
And those who had been rejected by the religious elites and the church establishment of that day would come to Jesus and they couldn't get enough of Him. And they would be surprised to find that although they had been rejected by the rest of the religious society, in Jesus they were welcomed back and loved and accepted as they were and invited into His kingdom. Jesus would teach of this kingdom that we were made to live within. A kingdom not like the kingdoms of this world that just revolve around people with power and authority taking power from those who don't have it. It would be a kingdom that would dwell in the hearts of mankind. It would be a kingdom where the entire society, the entire structure of the world around us would be flipped upside down. And He would say to Be a great person is not about how many people you can get to do what you want. It's about how many people you can serve. And in this kingdom, you find life when you give your life away. In this kingdom, you truly find what living is. And Jesus would shine light in the darkness. Everywhere that Jesus went, the darkness of isolation, depression, the darkness of shame and fear and death, the darkness, the consequence of sin would be pushed back. And best of all, he came with an invitation. He would say, are you lost? I want to invite you to be found. Are you looking for something? What you're looking for can be found in my kingdom. And yes, I've made a way for you. Have you encountered darkness? In me, you can find light. But to make the invitation, he had to pay the price. You know the story of the first communion time with Jesus and his disciples. It was on a Passover. It was after the donkey, after he rode into Jerusalem in the upper room the night before he would be executed. He's there with just a few of his followers and they notice that Jesus is a little bit different that night. He's a little bit more deliberate with his speech and actions and almost nervous. And he gives the disciples his final instructions. He looks across the room at one who would be named Judas and says, go and do what you need to do. He would leave that room and go to a garden to pray a few more moments with his heavenly father saying the words, if there's any other way, if there's any other way other than my execution to win humanity back to yourself, God, can we do it that way? And God would say, this is the only way. And Jesus would accept his calling and walk directly from that moment to a cross. And in that garden, they find him. Judas brings the Jewish ruling council in to find Jesus there. They arrest him. And the Jews did not have the power to execute somebody or, uh, or try them for the death penalty. And so they would march him from the Jewish ruling council to a very unjust trial in front of a man named Pilate. And Pilate would then, at the request of the Jews, announce that Jesus would be crucified. What happens next is in Matthew 27, verse 27. It says, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered a whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. They knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail the king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took a staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off his robe and put his own clothes on him. 
Then they led him away to be crucified. There's two things that just strike me as bizarre in this passage. Number one, if you know your history, you know that the Jewish people and the kingdom of Rome, the Roman Empire, never got along. But Jesus was a threat to them both. And one of the only times in history that they collaborate with one another is to see to it that Jesus is executed. The second thing shocking to me is to imagine myself in Jesus' position right then and there. He's being beaten and mocked by a group of Roman soldiers. He could snap his fingers and in an instant they would be evaporated. But why does he stay there? Why does he allow the abuse to happen? Why? For you and for me. The story goes on. It says they lead him out with his cross to be crucified. It says as they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the school. They offered Jesus wine to drink and mixed it with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. If you've ever wondered what that means, that was a narcotic that they could mix together back in that day to ease mercy, to have mercy on those being executed on the cross and as a gesture of mercy they would give that to people before they were to die on a cross but Jesus refuses it why because Jesus refused to deviate from his mission to win humanity back into the loving care of their God it says then to hang him up on a cross nails in his arms through the tendons in his forearm and through the heels of his feet and it says when they had crucified him they divided up his clothes by casting lots and sitting down they kept watch over him there above his head they placed a sign with the written charge against him this is Jesus king of the Jews oh don't get that twisted that was not to be clear that was not to pay some sort of honor to Jesus that was to mock him saying hey look at your failed liberator And I tell you that to tell you this. Verse 45, it says, From noon till three in the afternoon, darkness was all over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one ran over and got a sponge. He filled it with wine and vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. But Jesus did not intend to be saved from that moment. He intended to give his life as an offering for our sins. And it says, when Jesus cried out, in a, Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave, his, gave up his spirit. And then in blue, if you're following in your Bible, I suggest you highlight, circle, or underline. If you've got version, tap it and then tap the bright yellow so this stands out. It says... At that moment, the moment of Jesus' death, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now I want you to catch this verse because I know you got kids and you might be hungry like I am for burritos, but time out. Do not miss this important part of the Easter story. One of the most spiritually significant verses in the entire Easter story is this one. One of the most important verses in the entirety of Matthew's gospel is this verse, and yet we hardly ever talk about it. 
At Easter, we talk about just about everything other than the curtain. We do Passover. We talk about Jesus riding in on a donkey. Some of you grew up in Sunday school and they gave you the palm branches and you reenacted it and you had the palm branch. And we talked about the palm branch. And we've talked about Judas. We talked about Pilate. We talked about how he got spit on. We talked about how he got beaten. We talked about the soldiers, the crown, the robe, the rooster crowing three times. We talk about the donkey that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on. But we don't talk about the curtain. Which is why I'm going to read you a children's book. If your kid's in the room, can, kids, could you help me? Could you just shake your mom or dad and say, hey, pay attention to this? Go ahead, don't be shy. Give them a little shake and say, hey, get this. This is called The Garden, The Curtain, and The Cross. A very long time ago in this world right here, there was a garden. In the garden, everything was wonderful. The world was full of laughing and smiling and fun. There was nothing bad ever, nothing sad ever. And best of all, God was there. He made it all, he was in charge of it all, and he loved it all. People could see God and speak to God and just enjoy being with God. It was wonderful to live with God. But then one day, the people did a terrible thing. They decided they didn't want to do what God said. They decided they wanted a world without God in charge. God calls this sin. Sin spoils things, so sin had no place in God's wonderful garden. God said to the people, you can't live with me in my garden anymore. And he sent them outside. To show the people they had to stay outside, God put some warrior angels in front of the garden. The angels were like a big keep out sign. Now things were sometimes bad and people were sometimes sad, but people still kept sinning because they didn't want God to be in charge. So no one could come into God's wonderful place. God said, because of your sin, you can't come in. God wanted people to remember that it's wonderful to live with him, but because of your sin, you can't come in. So he told the people to build a special building and called it his temple where he would live. In the middle of the temple was the most wonderful place a place where God was, with nothing bad and with nothing sad. It was very exciting. But then God told people to put a curtain around it, a big curtain. Time out. That's our curtain from Matthew 27. He put a big curtain around his wonderful place. The curtain had pictures of the warrior angels on it. It was a big keep out sign. For hundreds of years, the temple curtain reminded people that God said, it's wonderful to live with him, but because of your sin, you can't come in. Babies became grown-ups and had babies. And those babies became grown-ups and had babies. And those babies became grown-ups and had babies. Hundreds of summers and winters passed by. And the keep-out curtain stayed in the temple. Then one day, God the Son came to live in his world as a per person. He was called Jesus. Jesus always did what God said. Jesus never sinned. And the, Jesus visited the temple where the keep-out curtain hung. Jesus knew that things were sometimes bad and sometimes sad. Jesus said that God had sent him, hold this, God had sent him to open the way back to God's wonderful place where there would be nothing bad and no one sad, but people still didn't want God to be in charge. So they decided to put Jesus on a cross to die. 
It was the most bad thing that had ever happened. It was the most sad day of all time. But Jesus had a plan. He had always planned to die on a cross. What a strange plan. Why would God's Son plan to die? On the cross, Jesus took our sin. All of the bad things that we do and all of the sad things that they cause, Jesus took them from us. And when he did, something amazing and astonishing happened. Go back to Matthew and think about it. It says, the curtain tore. God had ripped up the keep out sign. God's wonderful place was now open again. Because Jesus died, we can go in. You guys, that is the beautiful message of Matthew 27. When Jesus died on a cross, the earth shook and the ground rattled. And by the power of God in that temple, the moment Jesus breathed his last breath, that curtain tore. It was God communicating with the world that what Jesus did on the cross is now taking away everything that separates us from God. Because he died, we can now go in. There's an invitation for you and for me today. It's that through trusting in that death, we find life. That salvation Jesus came to announce, how you could be welcomed into the loving care of your heavenly Father that was made right and made official on that cross. That kingdom he prepared, oh, we don't stand a chance. We don't deserve to walk into that kingdom on our own. But he has taken our sins from us on the cross. When we trust in him, we're freed to live in his kingdom. That light that he spoke of shines in us and through us, pushing out the darkness when we trust our lives to him. Which brings up a really interesting question. What's your curtain? If the curtain is the thing that represents all that's keeping us from God. What's your curtain? Brought some visual representations. Scared to death to walk on this stage right now. Is your curtain guilt? Do you see God? You may even want God, but you're not sure he could accept you. Guys, the good news of Easter is that curtain has been torn. The good news is that for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, and whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Meaning when you turn to him and when you trust him, you're free and forgiven. As a matter of fact, in just a moment, I'm going to lead some prayers where you have the opportunity to make things right with God. We have the opportunity to reach out him, to Him today. Maybe God brought you here on this Easter, on this day, so this could be the day that you finally receive forgiveness and trust in Jesus. Maybe for some of you, curtain just says burdened. 
And I'm talking about the last two years of our lives. I'm talking about pandemic. I'm talking about the turmoil that our nation has been in. I'm talking about the injustices we've witnessed. I'm talking about the responses to those injustices. I'm talking about the mess that we're in. I'm talking about how you can turn on news and become depressed in all of 30 seconds. Have you been burdened by the culture that's around you? Has the last two years taken something from you? Has the fire dulled down to a little spark? Has the weight caught, kept you from being everything that God has made you to be? Can I tell you something? Jesus carried a cross so you don't have to carry these burdens by yourself. These curtains have been torn in Jesus' name. When he died on that cross, it wasn't just that. It's that he wants to fill your life with the power of his Holy Spirit so you don't have to carry that weight by yourself. Thank you. Is your curtain the word away? Meaning, in one way or another, You've fallen away. You're not who you want to be. You're not where you want to be. There was a time when he was so close. Band, you guys could come on up. There was a time when that faith was so alive. And now it's not. I need you to know that curtain has been torn. Jesus told the greatest story of all time. It's a story of a rebellious son who did everything wrong. It's a son who thought he would be better off without the loving care of his father. He goes away to a far off land. He goes away and abandons everything he was ever made for. And he knew he was doing it in the process. And yet... As his life stopped working so well. As the money disappeared and the friends with it. He realized he had made a huge mistake. And he wanted to be back home with his father. Everybody would listen to Jesus tell this story and think, well, this is where the young man gets what he deserves. Jesus, tell him what happens when you act pridefully. Tell him the demise of your arrogance. And Jesus gets to the part where this young son has walked back home. And to everyone's surprise, the father wasn't there with an I told you so finger to point at the young son. The father goes running out to meet him, throws his arms around the young man, embraces him, and simply says, I'm glad you're home. What does that mean for us? Jesus on the cross freed us of our sin. He freed us of the things that hold us back. He frees us so we can come home. And you guys, maybe this Easter, maybe for you it's a homecoming. God brought you here to have a come home moment with him. So I don't want to miss the moment. I want you to have the opportunity to come home. To leave the burdens behind or maybe even to go running to God for the very first time. 
And so together we're going to do just that. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now, and I'm just going to lead a few different prayers. So everybody just bow your head. There you go, right where you are. Just keep listening to me. Um, first, I want to lead a prayer for everyone who just identifies with that word burdened. Your life has been burdened. Your faith has been burdened. You feel like the last two years have just been an assault on you and your faith. If you want to join me in that prayer, could you just raise a hand right where you are right now? If burdened is your word, if it's been hard, if it's been a struggle, if you've been upset and you just want to leave those burdens there today, go ahead and raise a hand right where you are and I'm going to lead a prayer with you in mind. Jesus, we come to you this Easter laying our burdens down. Jesus, we just put those burdens in that tomb to stay and we go walking out with Jesus. God, we embrace the way that you make all things new. Jesus, for everyone here feeling burdened, everyone here feeling weighed down, like the last two years have just taken something from them, I pray new life. I pray new freedom. I pray that your love invades and you make people new from the inside out. God, give those reaching out to you right now a renewed strength. Give them renewed hearts from the inside out in ways that only you can. In Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed for me. Keep your heads bowed. You can put your hands down. If your word has been away, I want you to raise a hand right now. If your word has been like, I've fallen away, I've slipped away, I'm not where I want to be, I'm not who I want to be, you can go ahead and raise a hand and I'll pray for you. Don't be shy, there you go. If your word is away, I want to pray a homecoming prayer for you. Jesus, we're coming home. Jesus, we're reaching out saying, so much has happened and it has left us not where we want to be. Jesus, we're coming to you grateful that you tell stories of children who go running home to their heavenly Father into acceptance and love. And God, we just claim that today in Jesus' name. We go running into your care saying thank you that you receive us with open arms. Jesus, we need your support and your help, not just for today, but for the road ahead, for all that's coming next. In Jesus' name, amen. One more, guys. If today, maybe guilt's been your word, maybe you've been wanting God, you felt him calling you, but you've never answered Maybe you're aware that an invitation has been extended to you from Jesus on the cross, but you've never received it. If you want to receive that invitation today, I want you to raise a hand. If you want to say yes to Jesus today, if you want to say, I want to be saved, I want his power, I want his love, I want what he did on the cross to cover my sins, I want you to just go ahead and raise a hand where you are, and I want you to make this prayer your own. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, today, here and now, I want to trust you. I trust what you did on the cross. I trust that 
Your love is enough. I trust the sacrifice that your son made for me. And today I receive it. Today I commit to following you, my Lord and my Savior. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, we've got nothing left to do this morning but celebrate. We're going to do two more songs. I just invite you into a space where we celebrate who God is and enjoy the fact we are made new and alive because of what happened on the first Easter. Would you guys stand and sing with me?